Welcome to Something to Talk About. Rick Mannon is with us, and Rick is a international 219 marathon runner, I guess would be the term. Marathoner would be the proper terminology, I guess. Uh, turned coach and running consultant. He's uh, a community promoter, which is actually how I mostly know him because he's always around town helping doing stuff. So this is just a conversation as yeah. I always tell people. Good. And uh, more specifically, this conversation is actually going to be in support of the Rotary Classic. Uh, so that's happening, uh, I believe, in a week and a bit. So the April the 28th, 28th. Yes, Sunday the 28th. Now you've been involved with the Rotary Classic for what? How many years? Well, I was one of the original uh, oh, yeah. race directors back 36 years ago. This year's the 37th year, and there was Nick Rizzo and James Kent and Sam Johanna, Dennis Deuce and myself, and then uh, a large committee with the Rotary Club. So so has it, al has it always been the r Rotary run? Yes. Okay, so it's not as if you took something out uh, prior to that? No, they've always been involved. Okay, I just want to make sure that this is still good. I want to make sure the level's good because we're going to have a really good chat and I want to make sure that we capture it properly. So the Rotary Classic has always been in the Brantford area. Correct. Has it always been run uh, from that particular location as, as the park always no, been used for that? Actually, there used to be, for anybody that's been around since the uh, 1982 start, uh, there used to be a half marathon that started in Boston, Ontario and ran mm -hmm. in Brantford. And that was quite well known and, and, and actually had one of the fastest half marathon times run in Ontario at the time. And over the years, um, the locations of the, the course itself has changed a few times, but predominantly it started and finished near or at the W. Ross McDonald School. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this is very much a, a kid-supported uh, uh, effort in that the draws on a lot of kids, obviously, but a lot of the funds go to the kids. Maybe talk to me about uh, the, the fundraising side and the, the recipient side of, of that particular classic. Well, sure. Um, well, 37 years, like I said, this has been the 37th year, and over the, the last 36 years, they've raised well over $1.2 million, which is just uh, amazing in itself. Um, the uh, funds have always gone to youth in the community. Uh, the last bunch of years, it's been predominantly for the Lansdowne Children's Center and the Boys and Girls Club of Brantford. Uh, has it always been the r Rotary run? Yes. Okay, so it's not as if you took something out uh, prior to that? No, they've always been involved. Okay, I just want to make sure that this is still good. I want to make sure the level's good because we're going to have a really good chat and I want to make sure that we capture it properly. So the Rotary Classic has always been in the Brantford area. Right. Has it always been run uh, from that particular location as, as the park always no, been used for that? No, actually there used to be, for anybody that's been around since the uh, 1982 start, uh, there used to be a half marathon that started in Boston, Ontario and ran mm -hmm. in Brantford. And that was quite well known and, and, and actually had one of the fastest half marathon times run in Ontario at the time. And over the years, um, the locations of the, the course itself has changed a few times, but predominantly it started and finished near or at the W. Ross McDonald School. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, this is very much a, a kid-supported uh, uh, effort in that the draws on a lot of kids, obviously, but a lot of the funds go to the kids. Maybe talk to me about uh, the, the fundraising side and the, the recipient side of, of that particular classic. Well, sure. Um, well, 37 years, like I said, this has been the 37th year, and over the, the last 36 years, they've raised well over $1.2 million, which is just uh, amazing in itself. Um, the uh, funds have always gone to youth in the community. Uh, the last bunch of years, it's been predominantly for the Lansdowne Children's Center and the Boys and Girls Club of Brantford. So even though it's taking place at the, uh, uh, what is it, W.A. Ross McDonald, did w. I say Ross, that? W. Ross McDonald School. Yeah. See, sometimes you're perfectly on the mic, sometimes you're not. So I'm just trying to get you set up right, properly here. So give okay. me two seconds here. 
Uh, give me a hold on. Let's do this properly. Okay, let's try that one more time. Maybe just get a bit closer uh, to the mic there, because right. uh, when you're when you're on on the mic, you're actually mm -hmm. very clear. So I okay. want to make sure that people can hear you properly. So you you were saying in terms of uh, the W. A. Ross uh, McDonald's. So, so they're they're not necessarily a recipient uh, of uh, of the of the charity in this particular case. No, but the location has been there or at or near it uh, all those 36 years, and this year, again, it'll be starting and finishing near or at the school. Yeah, and it's definitely a good promotional aspect for them because, you know, that, that's quite an interesting school in its own right. It, it is, and, and to actually allow this, the school, allow the, allowing the Classic to, to take part there is pretty amazing that they've allowed that for all those years. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a lot of people. And now, on average, what are we talking about here? I've seen, obviously, plenty of video, and I've been there. But Yeah, I think in the early years it was, I, I'm going to say, close to 3,000. Mm. Um, the last bunch of years it's, it's, it's dropped a bit, but I think they still get 1,500 or close to 2,000. Yeah, and it's still a significant, uh, you know, I, I see them running, obviously, uh, near my, my front door because they sure. literally run right by here unless yeah. the, uh, the path is uh, changing this year. Mm -hmm. um, so... When you think of the Rotary Classic, now that is a, a 10K, a 5K, and a three-mile, correct? Correct, a three-mile walk. Now, why is it, like, at three miles, and that's about 5K, isn't it? Like, what, what's, the, what's the rationale there from kilometers to miles? I've always wondered that. Well, they, they have the 5K and the 10K. That's, that's traditional for mm -hmm. most races. Um, but because they have a lot of very young people and people walking with dogs and, and baby buggies, they, they have a walk, and, and they just made it into a three-mile walk. Mm-hmm. And, and Which is just about 180 meters shy of five kilometers. Yeah, but that way you're not calling it five kilometers and confusing yeah, people. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it allows for two starts and, and not having everybody all jumbled into one spot. Well, and see, that's the thing. You always, what, start with the 10K people, I, I yes. believe, right? Yes. Uh, and that's not necessarily the, the, the busiest of the crowd, like the, the 5K run. Uh, 5K group. is the busiest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the 10K, now, Dave uh, Levac uh, brought this mm -hmm. up on numerous occasions. It draws from all around the world in some cases uh, you know like it, it's a fairly known uh, prep i guess for for some for some runners in the area well it is the 5k is is probably um, run by a lot of the students mm -hmm. in the area but the 10k it does draw for more of the serious runners from from around ontario and, and now are we talking uh, has there any been uh, from the states uh, like you were talking in, the in past years yeah. yes i mean the the record the course record for the 5 the 10 and the old half marathon are pretty fast mm and, yeah. we, and we did have uh, international athletes uh, running here at, at one point or another. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it, it's always fascinating to, to get into the history because much like everything, um, the attention span of what mm -hmm. people have right now, the options that they have right now, the ability to get a group of people at an event it, it is so difficult to do. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, there's that natural decline in terms of people have other things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but from a numbers point of view, it hasn't been a horrible drop, which is, I guess, a nice thing to see, especially considering you're talking about something that requires effort. Right. And a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think what, why, the, why the numbers haven't dropped very much, to your point, is that uh, because it's been around 36 years, a lot of the children that are running now are children of, at the time when it started, we're children. Mm -hmm. So it's their children that are now running, and it's become a family affair. You know, it's, it, as you say, it's that cross-generational. You know, like I said, I've seen a lot of the team photos and stuff like that, and you, you always, as you say, right down to the dogs are, are brought right. over and whatnot. It's, it's definitely a family thing. And, 
there's from a marketing point of view, you go to all the schools as well, I believe, getting uh, all the uh, various schools interested in, and there's drives and, and they do prizes that. and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. The Rotary Club has did, a, has did an absolute tremendous job over the years at, at, at uh, getting the involvement from the schools and keeping in touch with them and and it's just amazing what they do. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also one of those things, as you say, it's a mainstay event every year. Uh, it's all in, always in April? Yes. Okay, so so every year in April, you, you have uh, probably pre-organized uh, 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 periods of time where people, you know, uh, promote the event, uh, they go and get their, their sponsors or whatnot, because a lot of these runners make their money by pledges, I believe. Correct. A lot of them do. And that's still a thing. Sorry, I, I, I'm not surrounded by kids or anything yeah. like that. So I remember from obviously when I was a kid. So, sure. so, so uh, the, the, the techniques that we use back in the day, for lack of a better term, still apply today. It's here's it my list of people. I'm going to give you 50 bucks if you pull exactly. that off. Exactly. Wow, exactly. nothing's really changed in some ways, has Nothing it? Nothing has changed, no. You know, so the race itself, uh, obviously we were talking about the three-mile walk being, you know, the if you want to uh, take the stroller out and just have a good day, because let's be honest, it's a gorgeous walk in, in, in a is. nice area. Uh, so just for the, the, the three-mile walk, it's worth it. But the 5K, obviously, big money earner uh, uh, for the charity would be just by the, the sheer nature of, of the amount of people running on there. Correct. Uh, the 10 uh, uh, K, we're talking what, uh, uh, relative to, to the, the larger crowd? Uh, I think they get maybe a couple of hundred runners. Yeah, so, so it's still a, a decent amount of people uh, do, doing a, a fairly, you know, well, 10 K is 10 K. <laughs> well, it's double the five. It's right? double the five. So. <laughs> well, you, you were there the night, and, and once again, it's a story that I... I, I took a wrong turn that one time. I was supposed to do the 5K and then come over to do an MC thing for you. And I, I, I found myself doing the 10K. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's, it's literally twice the 5K. I, I can relate, uh, especially when you don't train or plan for it. Mm -hmm. But the uh, the 10K from a, I guess, how do I want to get this? From a prep point of view, that there are, it's not just adults, obviously. There, there's plenty of kids that are attempting the 10K. It's not. There is. I, I would say... Um, the 10K runners predominantly are a little more serious just mm. because it's a little further. And because the, the 5K, the, the Rotary Club has tapped into the, the, the public schools and, and the separate schools, uh, predominantly are public school kids. Uh, sorry, uh, that age group is, I would say, from, you know, kindergarten up to grade eight, right? Mm -hmm. um, and probably less experienced. So the 5K is a good distance for them as opposed to the 10K. Mm-hmm. When when you hear some of these kids attempting this for the first time, obviously they don't have a coach. They, you know, this in many cases their first run. Um, thoughts, I guess maybe tricks that you might want to pass on to some of these kids that might be hearing this. Because I figure we'll get into the more serious conversation in a bit. But you know, the attention span of the the youngins might stop right about now. So so things that they may want to to maybe be aware of or prep for uh, leading well, up to their five k race. If you've ever watched the start of the 5K, you'll it's know chaos. It. Yeah. It's chaos. <laughs> it's total chaos. And so, if, if I was going to give any advice to any young person starting, I would say don't go out fast the first 100 meters, and it happens every day, and every, they all do it. Mm. So, um, I can say it. I don't think they're going to listen, <laughs> but that would be the best advice. Yeah. To your point, if it's your first race, don't necessarily yeah. go up front uh, yeah. because you'll A, trip. Be well, and, that, and there is a safety aspect of it too. I, I get there. A, you go. The mic kicked in there. Yeah. yeah, I do get a kick out of some parents to say, "I'm going to run with my child." Mm. Well, 
<laughs> not for the first hundred meters. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that child is gone, and then they have a hard time catching up to him. Well, like I said, I, I, I've been fortunate to watch uh, um, some footage of uh, you know the the start of the race and. Uh, to see that mass of humanity run towards the camera mm -hmm. is quite exciting. It I mean, is. It's, it's, it really sets the tone for, for the moment. Um, so in terms of uh, awareness, the Rotary Classic is happening. We'll, we'll talk a bit more about it later on. But I want to let's talk about running in general, mm -hmm. okay, and maybe going back uh, historically in time. You are an inductee in the Brantford, now what is it? It's the Brantford and Area? Brantford and Area Sports Hall of Recognition. There you go. And uh, that's been around, well, it's been around since I've been here because uh, they built the place recently. Yes, uh, it's at the, the uh, Wayne Gretzky Sports Center now. Um, but I was inducted in 1987, mm. and I think it started three or four years before that. Yeah, because that wouldn't have been at the Gretzky Center. No. Where, where was it before? Where, where was all well, this... I'm trying to think of the the very first. It, it was at. It wasn't called the Gretzky Center at that point, mm. but it was at the at the pool arena. Yep. Uh, facility, and it was just a very small uh, area inside of that. Mm. So when when they expanded it and did all the construction and the fixing up, it was a natural point to 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 put that in there because it's beautiful. Like a, it is it, to me, it's state of the art. Yeah, as you say, you've got all the displays there, and you've got a few items uh, on display there, if I'm I not do. mistaken. I, I believe yeah. what your shoes. I've got a pair of shoes that I wore in Hong Kong when I won the marathon there, and and a Canadian national singlet, and some medals from different parts of the world. And like I said, I, th there are some pretty big names, that both local, you know, well, local in general. Yeah. But yeah, th there's some big names there. How does it feel to be part of that uh, that lineup? It's, it's a very special time when you're inducted mm. uh, because most athletes, myself included, we don't do it for that, for mm. the fame and the glory. We do it for a lot of different reasons. But when, but I have to admit, you know, when you're acknowledged by your own community for something that important, it's uh, it really hits home, uh, and very heartfelt. Yeah, I know it's it's one of those things where, as you say, you're not motivated by it, mm -hmm. uh, but it's always nice to be rewarded, at least from a recognition point of view, and right. the, the very fact that it's got the word recognition in. Mm -hmm. Uh, as opposed to Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, I, I love that. I really do. Yeah. Um, now, some of the other names that are in there, uh, just, you know, so that you can throw a couple of names out there so you can... Oh, well, let me think. Well, how about Walter? Yeah, well, there's Walter. Do I have to say his last name? No. <laughs> the Summer Hayes, Summer Hayes brothers. Yeah. Um, uh, they were boxers, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, gosh, I could go on. There's Leo Reese, a hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, Edith Heyman from, for badminton, uh, Julie Howard swimming, uh, you got all night. I could do this. Mm, I know. <laughs> well, we were talking about the inductee and getting all those stories and stuff like that, yeah. uh, figured out it's, it's definitely one of those things where all of those, um, you know, you were saying you don't necessarily do it for the glory. Well, let's be honest. Most of us, uh, never get to see the glory, you mm -hmm. know, so you got to find another motivation for it because let's be honest, there's far more failed, uh, attempts at a, at a marathon, let's say, than probably winning so attempts, true. So true. you know, yeah. so, uh, it's, it's great to have those wins. And I believe you got seven international, if I've got my math right. Yeah, I think it was seven. Um, th th this was from the mid eighties now. So I got to think, yeah, I know. When it was, but I think it's seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like I said, it's it, when you think back on that, that yeah. young guy doing what he did. Yeah. D d does it feel like it's you? You know, it's, it's funny when, when I retired from competitive running, um, it, it, at times it, it just seems like a different world. Mm. I know I've got the memories and I, and I've got 
pictures and all those the memorabilia to remind me but um especially now that I'm coaching uh, that's my focus mm. and I probably put as much as much effort into it as I did at running um so some days it just feels like a different world mm. you know, and especially when I see how fast marathoners are running nowadays compared to what we did and how technology has changed since the 80s when I was running as well. Now, uh, you're listed as what, a, a 219. Now, I, I, the first time I saw it, I didn't know what 219 meant, but mm -hmm. that's what, two hours and 19 minutes? Is that correct? correct? Okay. Because I was like, is that a two-minute mile? You know. So when you say a 219, so yes. that was circa what, 87? That was 1987. So that was your personal best when we talk about personal yeah. best. And officially, it's yeah. 218.59.59. Oh, see, but they that, round it up. So. Yeah. Well, you're also you're also on Twitter, and you'd only have X amount of space, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where I got. That. So, so when you think about how fast they are now versus then, so 219, circa mm -hmm. the 80s, let's say, right. was obviously a decent time. You know, yeah. you win with it, so it's, it can't be horrible. Mm -hmm. What would be a common or what you would consider to be a stellar? Uh, uh, a marathon speed now. Now? Yeah. Well, just in comparison, when I ran my 219, the world record was 208. Okay. So about 11 minutes faster. Mm -hmm. um, now the world record is two hours and one minute and a few seconds. So that hasn't broke the two-hour mark yet? Not yet. No, oh, wow, but... It came, it... it came very close last year. Wow. And uh, <laughs> so in comparison... Um, all the times have gotten that much fa much faster. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, the Canadian men's record was just broken this past fall, and it stood since uh, 1970 or so, 1976, by Jerome Drayton. I'm not sure the exact year, but it stood for a lot of years, and we had a Canadian fellow just run 209. So... It's one of those things, technology, I tell you. Uh, uh, 209, that just blows yeah. my mind, though. Cause, yeah. You know, I was having this similar conversation when I was talking to Jordan Zokes last time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I have a Peasley, you know, two-minute lap around Mosport, let's say, you know. And he's doing it like a, a 120 <laughs> or something stupid on two wheels. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you don't really start realizing it. And like I said, I'll put it in the elegy uh, of racing for a sec. If it's two second per, per corner, mm -hmm. you know, on a 10-corner uh, 10 lap, that's, you know, it adds up. When you think about running, how much of that pacing is the, you know, if I burn it too early, it won't be there at the end, and it's an exponential probably right. scenario, right? It is, it is. It, the, the, it's very, very important. Pacing is huge. Mm. And, and all you have to do is look at the top marathoners in the world and, the, and the, the top marathon races in the world, and the fellows that win it and the women that win it are usually running negative splits. And what, what that means is they go out for the first half, slower than the second half mm. and and that's how you run your best it's been proven really? time and time again wow and and is that just something that that evolved through watching and do as you say as a coach you, you're seeing how this has evolved over time and seeing these patterns or whatnot it is i mean most most of us myself included learn the hard way and mm. I, I was referring to the kids at the the branford classic earlier how they start out really fast and then they tail off and sometimes they end up walking or not finishing. Well, most of us at early in the running career learn the same thing mm. real fast. And, and after a while you realize when you start out the first mile and you get to the first mile and you realize, why did I go so fast? Because it becomes a long race mm. with tired legs after that. 
So you, you learn the hard way usually that running evenly is the best way. Is it a certain degree of showmanship or just the anxiety or, or, or the energy of the start? Uh, initially, for, for young runners, it's the anxiety, yeah. the excitement of the start. Yeah. Well, it is exciting. It uh, is. You know, both from a, a spectator and being in the crowd, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is an event, especially when you're doing it at something like a Boston Marathon or, or something that, that right. is televised or, you know, something spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that ability, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll use the racing analogy. When the helmet goes on, uh, you flip a switch, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, how you're thinking through, how you're doing stuff, you know, and I'm sure it's very similar with, with a runner. Now, I know most of these um, runners, especially the long distance one, uh, rely, not necessarily rely, but, but do listen to a lot of music. Does that really play into it or is that just a way for them to, 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 to you know, zone out for lack of a better term? It's a bit of a zoning out, but it's mm. also, there's some really good music out there that gets you pumped up, <laughs> Yeah, right? so, so part of it is uh, everybody's got their beat that, that... Yes, and, you know, I, I guess I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that are against it, unfortunately. Mm. I, I did try running with music at times, and, uh, yeah, there was times my favorite song would come on and my pace would pick up and I'd feel great, but I wasn't aware of my surroundings. So mm. I, the, the people that I coach, I always, you know, really recommend they don't wear hearing any type of buds or anything. Yep. Because it's, you need to be aware of your surroundings for your own safety. No, no, that makes sense. Because, you know, as you say, it's, um, it, there's a mix. You can be so out of touch with where you are because right. you're in that thing. But I was also thinking, the reason I brought it up is, you know, on the music side of, of what I do, there's always that beat, mm-hmm. you know, and you're trying to get that mm-hmm. beat. Uh, you know, there's something to be said about a playlist where you have an understanding of the beat and you're running to the beat, you know, exactly. like, is there, I don't know, like, I, I, just thinking off the top, you, you hear, you hear it so much with prefabricated music these days where, where it's just computer generated music mm-hmm. that is at a particular beat that just keeps you in that pace, right? Uh, it's like the metronome thing, you know, tuck, yeah. tuck, tuck, tuck. Is it a mental thing or, or do you need a cue? Like, are you constantly looking at your watch to see if you're, you're, you're on pace or do you just get a vibe saying, this is the pace that I'm running and I'm consistently at this? Because it's, to me, it's like walking in a straight line. Eventually you'll curve mm-hmm. because, you know, you'll forget what the beginning, how, how fast you were at the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, part, part of the, the coaching philosophy is not only running evenly paced, mm. but you talk about beat. I mean, um, the really, I would say the best runners in the world, they don't need uh, a watch to show them their pacing while they're running. They, they, it's, it's inherent in them. Hmm. They, they are, they've, they've trained so much that they know what the pace should be. Uh, but I do understand that it does help a lot of, I, I would say more, um, um, beginner type of runners just to establish what the best pace is. If you get that beat, that mm-hmm. it's it's almost like your steps, right? Yeah, and that's what it amounts to. Um, I coach a, lo- a number of runners that that rely solely on their Garmin watch mm. that tells them exactly what their pace they're running every minute. Um, the problem, of course, with that is technology. Well, technology and, fails, <laughs> and it's relying on on radio signals and, and satellite yeah. signals. And you run into some high rise buildings, or under a bridge, and you're lost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what do you do? Yeah, so. you t- you turn left into the <laughs> water because of the the thing said turn left. Yeah, yeah, you stop looking. But going back to being aware of your surroundings, right? right. It, mm-hmm. It's. Uh, uh, you know, uh, once again, I'll just pick up the, on the racing thing just because it was a recent podcast. You know what an X 
lap feels like, you know, pretty much. If you much, do it enough. If you sure. do it enough. Yes, and, yes. you know, and I've been around enough racers, you can literally ask them to close their eyes and they'll do a, mm -hmm. a one minute 13 in their brain, yeah. you know, pretty much exact. Yeah. It, it's so the knowing, as you say, and this is the practice and the, mm -hmm. you know, the, because you'll typically what do 15 kilometers to prep for a 10 is it applied to this or is it one well, of those things where you just know this is a 10 and i'm i'm like at muay thai you'd overtrain you you do x yeah. amount more uh, you know well my, i always believed that if whatever distance you can do in training mm -hmm. you can double that and finish a race doesn't mean you'll mm -hmm. run at mm -hmm. the pace you want but you'll be able to finish it yep but um, yeah that applied to my 10k exactly <laughs> yeah. right yeah there you go um but um, the more mileage you run, for example, a marathon, yeah. which is, you know, 26.2 or 42.2 kilometers, uh, a lot of the serious runners that I coach, I'll have them doing 40, 42, 45 kilometer runs, solid, mm -hmm. steady runs. And the more they can do in training, it, it not only gives them the confidence that they know they yeah. can do the distance, but it's, it's, it, it trains their body to be able to go through the process of mm -hmm. burning energy and how to handle that. Well, see, that's the other thing too, is it's not just your own personal endurance. Your metabolism is going through a lot of stuff, I'm assuming, during those 42 kilometers. Well, it sure is. Yeah. And the days when I used to run where we were lucky to have water on the yeah. course for a full 26 miles... Uh, now there's gels and you have to take them at certain increments and just to keep your energy levels and your glycogen levels up. Mm -hmm. And of course, hydration is important too. Everything is important to be done at, at the proper and adequate intervals. And that's how you get your, your optimum performance. Well, when you're, when you're on the international circuit, as an example, you're going to different climates as well. How do you acclimatize for that? Because I'm sure, you know, running in humidity versus running in no air mm -hmm. or, or variations thereof affect you. Right. Well, I'll give you a story. Um, I, I ran for Canada, the, the national team at the Pan Pacific Marathon Championships in Long Beach, California. I think this was 1988 or 89. And <clears throat> knowing that it would be warm, um, it was in April. So I thought, well, you know, I'm training through the Canadian winter. Um, knowing that it potentially could be really warm in California, mm. didn't know how warm. I wore double sweats all winter mm. and, and extra clothing just to just basically run as if I was hotter and, mm. and trying to climatize myself. Um, when we got to Long Beach, it was around 85 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, I thought, well, I'm trained for that. Mm. I'm okay with that. Um, woke up in the morning and, and a desert wind, a wind from the desert had blown some the heat mm -hmm. in and it was 105 degrees. Well, it was a dry, a dry heat, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah, but yeah. it was dry yeah. or not. It yeah. was hot. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you cannot climatize for 105. <laughs> no, we were doing a three hour race in, um, Phoenix. Yeah. And I was in full race attire, full mm -hmm. race suit and mm -hmm. balaclava and all that, you yeah. know, and it's like, you're just sweating. <laughs> you're just sweating. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it climate, you know, and the same, I guess, would also apply. Uh, rain all of a sudden shows up. Like, you yeah. know, it's, um, I'm sure, you know, you can have scenarios where it's raining on one part of the course and quite sunny in the other, much like any other yeah. thing that has that amount of space. Now, 42 uh, uh, kilometers, and uh, I love the number 42, so I'll just mm -hmm. uh, average it down. Th that's not lapping or anything. It's actually a 42 kilometers full circuit, or are they reusing part of uh, the you track know, typically it, in those scenarios? It, it depends. Okay. Um, believe it or not, there are full marathons, 42.2 kilometer races on small circuits and tracks. Mm. 
but they wouldn't be record eligible or or I call it IAAF um, certified or approved. Certified, yeah, right. Yeah. So you couldn't set a world record on them. The courses that are approved for world records and national team eligibility are um, circuit or loop courses. Mm. And there's certain criteria. They can't have uh, too much elevation drop through the course, mm -hmm. and it has to start and finish within a, a certain distance of each other. And if it doesn't, then you know you could have an you could have a point to point race. In other words, starting at point A and running a straight line with the wind mm. all downhill, mm. running your fastest time ever, but mm -hmm. it wouldn't be eligible for records. Yeah, no, and as you say, you get wind on your back. It's it's, it's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing, isn't no, it? It is. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> now you brought up elevation because I know some tracks and I'll say tracks or some layouts or whatnot mm -hmm. typically have a nasty surprise near the end. And a lot of it is elevation related. Is that like golf or we're just going to throw, you know, sand pits where we like, are they doing that on purpose when they design that? You know, not, not really, uh, but because it seems a bit harsh. Well, you, you look at the Boston Marathon, it's, yeah. it's been around for, for so many years uh, and a huge piece of history. And they have what's the, the Newton Hills or the Heartbreak mm. Hills. And it hits you at the worst possible time. They they say in a marathon, the race doesn't really begin until 20 miles. And that's mm. that's around where the Newton Hills start. Mm. And mm. There, there is a series of hills that are huge, including the Heartbreak, which mm. is the worst one at the end. Uh, and does that make, because like I said, I, and I'll refer back to tracks. There are certain tracks where, you know, you'll have something like that and it makes it an iconic. Is mm -hmm. that rolling hill? Obviously stories have been told about the heartbreaks that they named a, the yeah, final that, hill though, yeah. for a reason, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you the very first time I ran the Boston marathon was 1979 and it was only my second marathon. At that time you had to run a qualifying time to get into it of two hours and 50 minutes, which wow. I did my first time out. And, and everybody said, well, you got to go to Boston. Well, I went to Boston. I was pretty naive. I didn't know anything about marathons at that time. I hadn't really studied the course. I really didn't have a need for it because I was so, so green and mm. new at, at marathoning. And I, I have to be honest, I, the crowds were so huge. And at that time, they didn't have the security they had nowadays. Yeah. So running through the halfway point at the Wellesley College, they call it the Wellesley College Tunnel or something, um, the crowds came in, you could touch the crowds on each side of your hands. And they would let you actually. They would let yeah. that happen. Nowadays they wouldn't, of course. No. But, but there was thousands of students at the time and just cheering. And I'm telling you, my adrenaline was high the entire course. When I got to the top of what was known as Heartbreak Hill, I saw this big sign saying, congratulations, you conquered Heartbreak Hill. And I said, what, that was it? I was so high the entire yeah. race from adrenaline. From adrenaline and just the crowd energy and whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, and once again, just to pick up on that, crowd energy, that is such a motivator. You know, when you're going into a heart thing and, and you've yeah. got 500 whatever people cheering you on mm -hmm. to, to, to keep on going, that... You got, you know, I know you dig deep when you're, the, what is it they say? The loneliness of the long distance runner, just calling in our main song yeah, there, yeah. you know, but honestly, a lot of those moments, you are surrounded by people cheering you on. Especially the larger international yeah. races. And, you know, you, you look at the Branford Classic too. Mm. By oh, the time. Parents and everything. Yeah. There, there's, I don't know how many thousands of people at the end. Yeah. And, and you you feel the same energy there. Yeah. You know, once you're finishing. So. It, it, it definitely is a feeling, as you say, when you've got, you, you put yourself through your own personal hell, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, mm -hmm. and, and you're, you're emerging victorious. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you might be walking near the end or a bit bruised <laughs> or, or whatnot, yeah. but you made the, the thing. Yeah. To have those people 
handing out the, you know, the trophy or mm -hmm. handing out the, the, the medal the or, or whatever, yeah. or just acknowledging the fact that you crossed the line. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's gotta be spectacular to do that, you know, in front of a, a very large crowd. Yeah. You know, so yeah. as you say, you would not have been prepared for the, uh, the crowd impact I would suspect. No. And, and that's what makes a race like the Boston Marathon so special yeah. is, is those crowds and, and the history behind it. And, you know, it's for most marathoners, uh, it's their dream to qualify and run Boston and to be able to do that and finish is, uh, you know, I say it's a memory for a lifetime. Yeah, no, it's also one of those things where, how do I want to say this without bringing up too much? Given what happened a few years back, I remember uh, we brought up uh, Boston, Ontario at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, there was something done uh, in support right. of the Boston Marathon. Maybe remind me of that because I remember fine points of it, but but I would love your, your, your insights on it. Yeah, it was because of the bombing, right, mm -hmm. at, and, and, uh, at the Boston Marathon and, and the, the lives that were lost. Um, we decided, it was Randy Papel and a, and a few others, decided to have a... Uh, tribute run in Boston, Ontario. So we, uh, it was just our way of, of kind of memorializing the, the, the people that passed away and, and the fact that um, we cannot live in fear, right? That's mm -hmm. not, that didn't stop Boston. It's not going to stop Boston ever again. And it's not going to stop people from participating in things they love to do. Yeah. No, it's the one, I, I joke about this, but it's the, the one thing that the Bostonians and, and New Yorkers have in common. You know, they got hit by something hard and they, mm -hmm. they kept on living. Right. You know what I mean? They just kept on living. And as much as those two communities hate each other for mm -hmm. certain reasons, yeah. they share something on that, yeah. on that front. Yeah. Um, so when, when we talk about, uh, the marathon, a circuit, and once again, this is an international, uh, there's various uh, competition levels and, and, uh, staging grounds and you got to qualify and whatnot. Walk me through for someone that, that is getting into marathoning and, you know, they, they can do the, the actual run but there's logistics and stuff like that. Maybe walk me through the, the life of a marathoner uh, on game day, for lack of a better term. Are you talking about it like an international to get to that level? Yeah, or like just... the, the build up to it in terms of, and then, you know, once you're at that point, I know in certain cases, you know, we were talking about, uh, you need to get a certain number to be able to qualify for, mm -hmm. let's say the marathon. So, so right. there's certain aspects of building uh, your credibility, for lack of a better term, building your practice, uh, your ability to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and as someone that has obviously done it, walk me through it. Uh, so that if someone's listening to this for the first time, they may be going, oh, da, 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 and I've got a better chance of, of not freaking out the first day. Yeah. Well, I mean. Or falling and hurting or whatever, well, you know. That's going to happen at some point. That's going to happen at some point. Like any other sport, right? But no, I think um, the, the main thing is everybody should have a goal, whether that's to make the Olympics or just to run your first race or to finish your first race. Everybody has a different goal and, and the kind of the process to that starts out the same. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, I always say it's advisable to get a coach, but you don't need a coach. There's lots of online programs that are, that are pretty good out there too. But having, uh, having your own personal coach to help you get to different levels is, is, uh, truly invaluable, I think. Um, and, you know, and something like a marathon is not something you can just plan for in a few weeks, right? Mm. Um, it'll take years to build up typically and to, to be a good marathoner takes some years to do that. Quite a few runners, when they'll start out, they'll, they'll start with a 5k, mm. finish some 5ks and then they'll say, well, maybe I'll do a 10k. 
and then they do a couple of 10Ks. Well, maybe I'll try a half marathon. So a half marathon was what, 20K or is it? It's 21.1 kilometers. There you go. Okay. And, you know, once they do that, then they might get the marathon bug and think, I can, maybe I can do a full marathon. Well, you know, after that, then the, then the possibility is, do I want to see how good I can be? On and, the global how far, stage. and how far I can go, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe then they decide I want to do an ultra marathon. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do hundred milers. You could do multi day so, events. So okay, <laughs> and that brings up uh, this is where stuff like you know the death races and stuff like that mm-hmm. probably start getting into that type of, of niche or whatnot. So th- yeah. there are hundred milers, and longer than and that. longer than that. Yes. Well, uh, because like I said, I know from, from the military stuff, yeah. you know, they quite often will do these type of, of events, yeah. you know, uh, as part mm-hmm. of global competitions mm-hmm. through, through the different forces or whatnot. But, you know, it's funny. I always thought when I thought of a marathon or the next step after that would be the Ironman, you mm-hmm. know, you're doing this plus this plus this. Mm-hmm. It never really occurred to me, and this is me being naive, that there's something more than 40? <laughs> you know yes, what there I mean? is. <laughs> wow. It, the How do you pace yourself on something like that? that well, is just, it, it is. Like we're talking Forrest Gump, run Forrest. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. That's that's oh. a perfect example. Um, there's there's six-day events. There's wow. there's longer events than that. I, I, I coach a number of runners that are actually, that's all they do is ultra marathons. Mm. Anywhere from 100 milers to 50 milers to 80K races. And uh, a lot of them are on trails. Mm. Um, but I find that is a different culture than going to a serious, let's say a serious road race. Mm. Um, I find the ultra trail runners are a little, maybe laid back isn't the right word for it. Um, there's obviously very serious trail runners too, but I would say the average ultra marathoner that runs trails, they are very supportive of each other, Mm. a little less competitive against each other. They're still competitive for themselves, but everybody just wants to see everybody finish. And and a lot of people are helping each other. And I think, and this is kind of what what I was thinking about, using racing, it'd be the drafting, you know, where people Mm -hmm. are running in group to, to... is there that certain degree of collaboration that during certain stints or whatnot, you know, banding up together, at least maybe from a motivational gets us through this bit? Is that the type of collaboration that you're kind of hinting at or? Well, that you'll even find that in shorter races too. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of runners will work together and, and because it's, you mentioned drafting. Yeah. You can draft in running too. That still blows right? my mind. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, wind is wind. It's, it's not only that, but, but it's, it's been proven that if you're following uh, an individual or group, you might get some wind uh, drafting, mm-hmm. but it's also you don't think about anything. You're just you're just thinking about one thing, and that's staying with the person. In yeah, front of you. it's that visual. It's right. there, and and that's that simple. Versus if you're out in front leading or or running all by yourself, you have to think about where where should I be running? Am I am I taking the, the shortest course, the tangents, kind mm-hmm. of tangents on the road? Is there trail real you know uh, tracks coming up that I watch for? Um, just more things to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, as you say, it's not one of those things where just because you're up front, you know, you are the trail breaker, or, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better term. Uh, I've always loved cross country over, over mm-hmm. concrete. Uh, just the, the ability to be one with nature. And yeah, yeah. You, you know, you also got to be aware of the roots and stuff like that that sure. are going to trip you and hurt you. Mm-hmm. But I've never been more alive. And this is when I would run. Uh, my feet just can't handle it anymore. But when I would, the trails, and you know where I live, you know where the trails are relative mm-hmm. to here. 
those trails are just gorgeous running through there. You know, you just, the trees are flowing by you. It's yeah. just beautiful. And then the Grand River's there. Boom, you know. Yeah, I, I, I really do believe that we have some of the best trails around Canada. Oh, I, I'm, I, I totally agree. It's when I first moved here. Uh, one of the first photos I ever took was a picture of me uh, putting my feet on the grass in the backyard. Because mm -hmm. for years I'd be living in the concrete jungle yep. of Toronto, right? That, that's yep. the concept of, and then then to just walk, you know, five minutes from mm -hmm. here and have all of nature right sure. there. Like there's deer right mm -hmm. there, you yep. know? It's spectacular running through that. It scared me a couple of times. I, I sure. swear I've come across a bear or two. <laughs> you know? Or at well, least something got got shuffled and scared me. At, you yeah. know. Well, and the fact that, uh, back to the ultra marathon, yeah. you, you can run from Brantford to Hamilton or to yeah. Port Dover or to Cambridge oh, or you name it. Right? Well, like I said, I, I mostly do it using bikes now because yeah. it's not as harsh on the, on sure. the feet. Yeah. It's harsh on something else, which is why <laughs> I just got the dual suspension bike because I'm starting to feel my age, my friend. Yeah. Uh, okay, back to uh, the... the the cross country that there's there's two aspects there and when we th say marathon in the traditional sense that is asphalt running exclusive yes th some trail runs have marathon distance as well yeah but really uh, the traditional marathon is on roads so when you think about um the feet for lack of a better term the, the one part that really hurts me mm -hmm. right now uh running on dirt versus asphalt versus concrete versus whatnot um, how does that play into the coaching? Well, ideally, I always have, uh, I, I suggest and recommend to the runners I coach that they, they have a mix of all the surfaces. Mm. Um, it's all about adaption. And, you know, as a coach, uh, you would find the word adaption comes up a lot. Mm. Most people get hurt because of overuse or doing something too fast, too soon, or, uh, you know, running too much on the roads or too much on the trail. So I, I always think it's good to, to be able to experience all surfaces. So run some on the trails, run, which are softer. Mm -hmm. Run some on the asphalt, which is a little softer than concrete. Mm -hmm. Run some on concrete because you're going to have to at some point mm -hmm. if you're running around the city. Um, you know, and run a little bit on the treadmill because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of runners on uh, poor weather days will run inside the treadmill. And if, if you always run outside and then one day run in the treadmill, you're probably going to get injured. Yeah. So it's, again, it's all about adaption and just using different surfaces to your advantage. Well, and like I said, your, your contact point is a very small part of your foot mm -hmm. when you're doing this thing. It's not like when you're walking, there's very, well, I guess there's a, a curvature of the contact mm -hmm. point, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, you go off a, an inch this way, an inch this way, you'll twist an ankle, you'll hit something. Like it, it could go wrong very quickly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Good, yes. You know, and when you factor in that you're potentially running with a lot of other runners, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take much to get tripped up or... No, no. Yeah. It's, it, like I said, I'm feeling my age right now, just saying half of these <laughs> things. Okay, let me, let me back up a sec. So you brought up the Hong Kong International and... To me, when when I read your bio and and come across stuff, it, it's obviously one that comes up. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear uh, what that felt like. You know, uh, what's the significance of the Hong Kong International? Uh, what brought you there? Um, why is it so successful for you? You know. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> in 1986, um, I was coming back from an injury which was a stress fracture. I had a couple of stress fractures. And, you know, when you go through stress, fracture, stress fractures, you, you're not sure whether you're ever going to come back no. to as strong as you were before. 
So um, that year I ran the Ottawa Marathon uh, as part of my recovery and I surprised myself. I thought, well, I still have it. That fall in 1986, I went to the Toronto Wang International Marathon and I won that race. Mm -hmm. And part of the winnings of that was to choose a marathon of my choice uh, all over the world. So there really? Was, there was Rotterdam, there was Hong Kong, there was London, England, and uh, a few others. And they would, what, pay for the travel and, and the cost? Entirely paid for, yes. Wow, that's a nice little win. It was. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, on a whim, uh, I just, well, geez, let's go to Hong Kong. Let's choose that one. And it was, it was to this day, one of the neatest experiences ever. I mean... Um, now we're talking pre-internet days, uh, for those in context yeah. <laughs> here. This is not something where <laughs> well, you could just Google up and, well, and find... Well, I could tell you some stories yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, this may not be in the right chronological order. Oh, it but doesn't matter. I, I won the race, and because Hong Kong was 13 hours ahead of us here, I actually won the race the day before. Mm. To get my mm. understanding. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was around 4 o'clock in the morning where I was in Hong Kong, and our phone rings in the in the, our hotel room and it's Arnold Anderson who oh. to this yeah, day is yeah. one of the bit you know you you know him from the past as a CKPC sports broadcaster you know uh, it's funny uh, this predates me I know who he is trust yeah, me you yeah. know but I've never uh, got to meet the man yeah just a tremendous man and he's still missed to this day yeah oh his name but, every yeah. every year comes up yeah and he called me and he wanted to know all about the, he did an interview over the phone, like a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only that time it was just recorded with his... Now, he was expositor at the time, right? He was CKPC. CKPC, that's right. That's, that's right. Who yeah. was the, the expositor? In those that in was the... Ted Bear, maybe. That was it. Yeah. That, that, that's, uh, I yeah. see I'm getting my names a bit mixed yeah. up. But yeah, so he was K CKPC, so CKPC, as you say. And he used to walk around with his little tape recorder yeah. and he would record uh, conversations. Yeah. And he did that live from, from all the way over Hong Kong. But also, um, a friend back in Brantford had a friend who was living in Hong Kong, and we connected with him. And as soon as I crossed the finish line, the person in Hong Kong was on the phone telling the friend in Brantford that I'd won the race. And it was it was just funny because they were saying, "Well, how could Rick win? It's Saturday night. But yeah. he's, he won Sunday. They couldn't get their head around the it, fact we were thirteen hours ahead." There's a lot of people that have never left their city, county, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, <laughs> let alone experience yeah. the weirdness of time travel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, time zones are very, very mm -hmm. weird things when you do international mm -hmm. traveling. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's funny because I bring that up from a, from, you know, if this had happened now yeah. in the era of everything's connected right. or whatnot, it'd be live streamed. Uh, yes, you know, exactly. you, oh, yeah. jo jo you know, Josie V right there with the camera and, and, and people tracking, you can track an athlete, yeah. every, you know, where they are on the course. All yeah. The time. Now, are you, when you're doing something like that, is that because you got your phone on you or is there an actual, is that the, uh, the, 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 the watch or like Usually a, the bib uh, number the bib has a chip in it. Okay, and so, they'll monitor that onto yeah. some form of, of uh, larger feed mm -hmm. that they'll let the international uh, market see it. Oh, yeah, it right. just makes sense. Yeah. See, I always thought that the bib thing was only for the cross finish line. But in this particular case, this is actually trackable considerably more. So this is not a similar yeah. timing bib that we're talking about. There's a little bit more to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Because I, to your point, we live in a world now where, you know, a, winning in Hong Kong, as an example, is no mm -hmm. different than winning here. In the sense that, you really? know, you, you, you people are, have everybody's the same access. Right? Everybody's connected. Yeah. But back then, as you say, you're, you're, 
you know, there, there's no Google Translator, nope. you know, there, there's no <laughs> geo maps telling nope. you where to go, nope. you know, and all those things uh, go in and you got to actually run the thing. And yeah. now you said you won it. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't even sure if you were going to complete the race, I think. No, I, I really should not have finished the race and I should not have won the race. No. And to this day, it's still a miracle how it happened. But we went over five or six days in advance to, just so I could get a comp, uh, customized to the times mm-hmm. and the change and the food and the water. Yep. Oh, the food alone will mess you up. Yeah. Yeah. It did. <laughs> yep. And, and honestly, how do you train for that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we would like That's you to train question. for a diarrhea for the next <laughs> yeah. two, uh, two days. Well, I, Honestly, I was, uh, you know, I'll say this over the podcast, but yeah. I was constipated <laughs> yep. for the entire yeah. week I was there. I believe it. And I, and I started the race thinking, how the heck am I ever going to get through this race? Yep. And, and the first 13 miles of the race, I was in severe pain mm. and I just kept hanging on to the leaders. I was not the favorite at the time. I kept hanging on to the leaders for some reason after halfway, I felt great. The pain went away yeah. and I ran away with the race. So you just <laughs> so. had, you had a really good second wind in yeah, many ways. I sure did. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like I said, the, the human body yeah. is a wonderful thing. It's both in terms yeah. of how it recovers. You know, you sure. were talking about yeah. coming back from a fracture. The very fact that your human body is able to do that, let alone mm-hmm. overcome a, a, and be competitive. Yeah. Um, but even like I said, uh, we were talking about weather and temperature yeah. or whatnot, uh, different water will completely, mm-hmm. when you're talking at that level, I'm mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. It, you notice it. It's, yeah. you know, so the, the process of acclimatization and, and in some cases never bringing any of, you know, bringing your own food for lack of a better term. But mm-hmm. once again, this is, you know, back in a day where we didn't have necessarily the same cliff bars and right. the, the, exactly. the, 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 whatchamacallit oils mm-hmm. and whatever that exists now that you would just throw in your bag. You, yeah. you arrived in Hong Kong, you were getting either British Hong Kong or real Hong Kong food. And in many cases, I did not know what I was eating no. and I didn't want to know no. what I was eating. No. <laughs> they haven't been dying off, so I don't think that it's going to kill you. But yeah, some of that stuff that you see hanging there and you know where it was yeah. just a few seconds ago, it's an experience, isn't it? it? Really and is, I'm not yeah. talking myself, Hong Kong. Yeah. I haven't been there, yeah. but I've, I've experienced enough yeah. cultures. It's, it's more when we say, and this is kind of what I'm getting at, is when I say the word international marathoner, mm-hmm. It's not just that you, you, you know, you've done well in a marathon, you've done well in marathons in like a better term, the world stage, you've experienced the world. And for someone, you know, we brought up Walter as an example, mm-hmm. you know, Walter has seen so much of the world, you know, and, and I hope he remembers a lot of it, but you know, he's seen so much of the world and he's been an ambassador of it. There's something to be said about coming back to your home city, in this case, Brantford, mm-hmm. with that exposure and whether or not it, it's humility, whether or not it's awareness, context, you know, whatever word you want to put on there, it changes you, mm-hmm. you know, and that it, I, I honestly believe that those experiences probably impacted what you did in the next 20 years in this city. Would that be a fair stretch or am oh, I completely, absolutely. okay. Absolutely. I'm not I, putting words in your mouth here. No, but you know, I think, uh, I think to get to that level um, in any sport, you can't do it yourself. You rely on a lot of different yep. people. You get a support support from a lot of friends and family and, and companies. And we're not, ta- not even, uh, we're talking financial support, but also all the other support that oh, goes yeah. with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so when you reach what I would say maybe is a pinnacle of your career, um, you tend to look back and say, you know, I, I couldn't have done this without no. all these people. So when I, when I came back from those successes, 
um, I wanted to help the community. I wanted to give back. And, and I was compelled to, and, and, and it just, and it's a good feeling to do mm. that because so many people helped me get to where I was. I wanted to repay that back. Um, and to this day, I, I think that's still, uh, it's still inside of me to do that. Yeah. And it's funny because when I look at this particular series uh, that I've done and some of the people that have been on, there's a few of them that were specifically picked because they all have that community, mm-hmm. you know, Randy Pappel. Right. Doug Hunt, yourself. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Dennis Deuce. Mm-hmm. Dennis will likely be on a show at one point in time. I've already asked him. Yeah. I just got to get him out of the sure. kitchen. You know, <laughs> but there, there, there's a group of people that I've come across in this city since being here that fit that mold. Mm-hmm. And I think in many cases, um, well, maybe not as much Randy, uh, because I know he's been more local, but it's because they've had an exposure outside of the city limits. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in Randy's case, he's just had a lot of exposure to a lot of very interesting things it in sure his 40-year career. <laughs> but they've all, including yourself, um, took all of that and became massive members of this community. You know, um, so much so that I know that when some of you stop doing your charity work, I don't know who's taking over in many mm-hmm. cases, uh, you know, it's just always a challenge when you, you do fundraising and charity right. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about that community side because, y- you know, we brought up the Rotary Classic, but it, there's more to it than that. You're, you're, you're constantly promoting a sports in the area. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is it about the community that, that, that makes you want to, you know, actually grow it for lack of a better term? Well, there's a need and that's, that's probably the the driving force. Um, there's a lot of events and organizations uh, and, and different things that happen in our community that would not happen without volunteer support. Mm-hmm. And you know, if 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 I didn't step up or if you didn't step up, uh, who's going to step mm-hmm. up? So I think I think you have to take a leadership role and and show to people that it's important to volunteer. And the best way to do that is by doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, what's the old thing? Uh, oh, uh, there's no leader here. No, mm-hmm. you can be the leader. You right. know, step up or shut up, right. you know, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you also, and like I said, I just want to put a shout out there. You also have an energizer bunny as a wife that's oh, got to be yeah, helpful. I, I yeah. cannot ignore her in this conversation. <laughs> How has she played into all of this? Well, you know, she's been along for the ride the entire time. Yeah, that's I was going to say. You know, we met what, in high school. Yeah, this we, is a high school romance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and just coincidentally, it was our 41st wedding anniversary Congratulations, so, and congratulations so, to you. Yeah, she really has been along for the entire yeah. ride, and and she's been to most of the locations around the world that I've traveled to, and, yeah. and I was fortunate that she was be able to experience that with me. Um, but she's played a huge role, and, you know, with her community mindedness as well um and and the position she held at the city well, of Brantford, yeah. um she saw how important it was uh to have participation from volunteer groups and and how important that was and and she made a lot of contacts over the years too that uh uh, you know, if she needed something done, she could get it done. <laughs> there are certain people in this city that if the phone rings and they say, hi, this is Dave, as yeah, an example, yeah, you know, yeah. you say yes. Yeah. You just say yes. Yeah. And, and Josie is on that list. Yeah. I hate, you know, I hate to say it. It's a positive compliment, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. So yes, the, 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 the woman behind the man mm-hmm. is true in this case. It, it plays into it. Yeah. And, and you know that how times change too, um, Right now, because I've I've got a 
I'm going in for knee surgery, which is not running related. Everybody, no. this, everybody assumes it's from all the miles of running, mm. and, and I did myself, but I actually had some trauma on my knee, and I have to get some surgery. But the times change because now I'm walking. I'm trying to stay up to stay up with Josie, who's running. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just want to see you and Doug Hunt with your braces oh, side right, by yeah, side. There, there, there's a photo <laughs> I want to get. Oh no, as you say it. Old age gets you. It's not necessarily the running, <laughs> or as you say, you, you, yeah. you slipped and you fell and you hurt yeah. yourself, right? Yeah. Um, no, it, it it's important to me because when when I think of a lot of um, the stories that I've heard, um, the best ones are always the ones that have uh, uh, someone that's got their pulse on the community, uh, either as a giver mm-hmm. or, or or as someone that's involved or just someone that's aware. And, and as you say, with someone like Josie, she would have been uh, exposed to hundreds and hundreds of programs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that are dependent exclusively on volunteers. Uh, you know, that there are very few um, um, committees, for lack of a better term, in this area that are paid. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's ninety eight percent volunteer. You know, be grateful for for the people mm-hmm. that are there. And when you think of something like the Rotary as an example. That's hundreds and hundreds of people getting together to make that happen. You know, and we're not, we're just, you know, there's the facility itself and then there's, you know, the course and all the, mm-hmm. the stuff involved. When, when you think of, of running, it's, I guess, one thing to think about the runner side. Uh, but there's a reason why, I, I don't know, there's got to be a reason why these people put on these events even though they're not necessarily runners themselves. Like, what is the draw there? Like, obviously, there's a financial benefit to a lot of these things. Yeah, but it's not so much the financial benefit for them. Mm. It's for charities. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every large event that I know, uh, even the smaller ones, um, their driving force is a charity yeah. of some sort. So, you know, and, and you have something like... Uh, I, I would I would even couldn't even guess on how much how many millions the for example the Boston Marathon yeah. just raised for their charities and just a astronomical number I'm sure. Well, and, and like I said, there's the official charities and then there's all the individual charities that make mm-hmm. up the you know a company coming in and putting in ten other people supporting their own charity of choice. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, it's funny you bring that up because to me um, the charity angle of a lot of these things, you know, the, the, the rotary, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, kids run, you win. No, you, you run kids win, I believe right. is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I should know that by heart by now. <laughs> In any case, the, the truth of that is, yeah, you're doing something for fun, but at the end of the day, there's, uh, your personal, uh, uh growth that comes out of it. You're, you know, you're getting a better lap or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that you are motivated because you're also helping a cause, uh, and if all of these marathons, are, you know, have that benefit, mm-hmm. the ecosystem it, it, it fulfills itself. Right. You know, the the runners come back because they enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and they feel good about where the money's going. You know, right. and this is why you get something like the Rotary that's been around for mm-hmm. thirty six years. You know, exactly. It's, and like I said, it, it may the numbers have changed, but compared to some of the other type of events that I've had to monitor or, mm-hmm. or, or, or deal with, um, the numbers are great. Relative they are. to to the trends, for lack yeah. of a better term, it, oh, it's still a very popular draw, and and generates money. Yeah, you know, 
And I, I agree. And there has been a lot of races, road races. That's because I can speak to that because that's my yep. passion, right? But there's been a lot of road races over the years that, that don't exist any longer. Yeah. Their expenses just became too high and, and the numbers were dropping. Yeah. And we know so, a few uh, ourselves out of personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we won't but, go into but that. the classic has done a tremendous job. Yeah. You know? So we're going to wrap up unless there's something specific you want to cover. Did I miss something? Uh, other than we're going to go for a run together at some point, right? I, I, I love running, <laughs> even though my feet are probably going to hurt. Like I, you'll notice I do have the, uh, the laces properly locked up. I see that. You know, so, so <laughs> uh, I, I, it's not as if I'm completely incompetent, <laughs> but no, I, I gotta say, uh, I want to run again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my biggest issue is uh, my feet never get any peace. Uh, even when I'm lying in bed, the sheets uh, mm-hmm. just pulled down on it because of my height or whatnot, right? right. Uh, so I never get to heal and I do a lot of walking. Like yeah. people in the area know, uh, know me because I'll typically be bumping into them because I walk a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is because I don't like driving in Brantford to be <laughs> honest, but, and it's also local. It's sure. easy to walk. But my sure. point being, I, when I was doing the, the, the heavy running, which I love to do, and I was at my best weight because mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. uh, the damage that I was doing to my feet and the inability for it to recover just became exponential. Like I... I can't put sheets on my toes without feeling pain, mm-hmm. you know? So imagine running. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it wasn't for that, like the stamina is still there. Like when I go biking, I'll, I'll bike for 20 kilometers and, mm-hmm. and, and be fine, you know? So the stamina is definitely there and the, the, the love of the outdoors is definitely sure. still there. Um, let me wrap up again and maybe just cover a few things that we've covered in the past and maybe kind of just bundle it all together sure. as its own little thing. We have uh, the Rotary Classic that's coming up very soon. It's uh, it's an April event. Uh, we won't necessarily the twenty eighth yep. in this particular case, mm-hmm. uh, and there will be another one next year. So so if you hear mm-hmm. this uh, at a later date, uh, you know uh, take a look at the calendar, and uh, there's likely uh, a run in April uh, in Brantford that you want to attend. Uh, it's been going on for thirty six years. This is the yes thirty six, and this is the thirty seventh coming up. And uh, from a money point of view, we know that they've pulled in uh, you know about one point two million dollars right. in that time frame, which is a, a huge amount. And once again, that number is probably uh, less than in reality because I'm sure there's been a lot of other fundraising related no uh, in that yeah, time frame. Absolutely. So so we're talking a, a very specific bank account mm-hmm. uh, when I mention that number. But in terms of what the, the Rotary Classic has probably generated as a whole, I, I, I would say it's easily three times that number. But I'm just, yeah. you know, pulling a number out of my sure. butt right now. Mm-hmm. When we think of the impact of that money, that goes to uh, Lansdowne? Lansdowne Children's Center and Boys and Girls Club for this year. Yeah. Now, for those that, that don't know uh, what Lansdowne represents and what the Boys Club, maybe just uh, uh, which focuses on which? Uh, the Boys and Club, is that more uh, a group, a uh, place where people come together and do stuff? Is that how that one's structured? I'm not 100%. Well, the Boys and Girls Club is, is located on, it's down by the, uh, well, let's see, by... Uh, near the park, if I'm yeah, not I'm mistaken. I'm trying to think of the, the name of the... It's place. not Lions Park, is it? It's Lions Park Track. And, right. And, and, but it's called the... Um, Steve Brown Sports Facility. Steve Brown, that's it. Yeah. to think of. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. So they named it after him, and who, and unfortunately, he's passed away. But there's a facility down there for the Boys and Girls Club. Now, is it, once again, I don't know exactly what the Boys and Cl- uh, Girls Club is. Is, is, is. Yeah. Okay. I do know. Like I said, it's one of those things where, at the end of the day, um, being able to to have, as you say, a cause mm-hmm. uh, adds that extra motivator. So, so it's a good cause, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. 
Um, it's in Brantford. Um, it's, there's a 10K, a 5K, and a three-mile walk, if I right. recall correctly. That's and right. and uh, that means you have really no excuse uh, <laughs> because it's a nice, comfortable walk. Uh, surrounded by people that are doing a good and thing. And you can take your dog, you or def- you can yeah. take your baby in a in a buggy, and and, and if go. you're David Prang, you'll be running the buggy <laughs> while running. Oh yeah, yeah, There's exactly. A it's, few it's, it's 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 fun watching yeah. those ones. It's definitely a family event. It is, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's the sheer uh, amount of buzz that's going on mm-hmm. at that event. It's huge. So we're hoping that anybody that uh, is enjoying uh, this, these stories with Rick uh, will uh, support the, the Rotary Classic, I guess is what I'm getting at. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, the Rotary Classic is in about a week and a half, uh, but that does not necessarily mean that you're excused from not supporting the year after, the year after that, and so forth. There's a hundred more ways of doing this. you want to add something there, Rick? No, I, I guess I just want to uh, maybe give my little plug now to, to go for, for the classic. Yeah. It's over the years, there's been thousands and thousands, literally thousands and thousands that have participated and thousands and thousands of hours and volunteers that have gone into making this race sustainable and, and successful the way it is. And, and, uh, and I just would hope that er- and encourage everybody around this area to come out and if not participate, come out, spectate and cheer on the other runners and walkers that, that, uh, and maybe offer a pledge. Mm-hmm. As you say, you don't necessarily have to run to be able to make a exactly. difference. It is all mm-hmm. going to a good cause. And exactly. uh, as we were saying earlier, uh, you run or watch, mm-hmm. the kids win. Mm-hmm. That's right. You, you know what I mean? Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Oh, I love this.